Every song, I got a little more close to the rapture, I think. And then at the end, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to get the chance to preach or not. I may be just going right on up. Wow. Bless my soul. And I know blessed yours too. Let's take your Bible and open to the passage that Leanne read earlier. And uh, Luke chapter 23. We have been on this journey with Luke, with Jesus, to this very hour. The passage before us today speaks directly about why we're all here. It speaks about why West Park Baptist Church exists. It speaks about the reason that Jesus came into this world. 33 years before this, a man named Simeon prophesied about this day to Mary. His words are found in Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. It says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. When Simeon spoke those words to Mary, He was talking about Jesus' death on the cross. That a sword would pierce through her own soul. Those of you who are mothers can only imagine, any of us can only imagine what Mary went through on that day. Watching her son. But Simeon said something else. He said that this would happen so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I want to think about that phrase for a minute. Before we get into the passage, I just want to think about that phrase. So that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Our thoughts are our most personal and private possessions, the thoughts of our heart. The thoughts of our heart are really, they really go to the core of who we are. And and Simeon said that the cross, that Jesus going to the cross would be so that the thoughts of the heart's of many may be revealed. So this morning, I want us to think about the thoughts of some people's hearts. You know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we're going to consider the voices of some of the people there that day. Voices from the cross. Voices from the cross. Eight voices 
of people who were there that day that will tell us some things about what was on their hearts. And as we do that, I want to ask you something. I want to ask you to think about what the cross of Jesus Christ says about your heart. If the thoughts of your heart would be revealed today because of the cross of Jesus Christ, what would be revealed about you? What would your thoughts reveal about you? I'd like to read this passage again, beginning in verse 26 here of Luke chapter 23. It says, As they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? To others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, as he is the Christ, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since we are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So these voices that I'm talking about are, some of them are actual voices, things that people said, but they're also actions that people did that communicate what was in their heart or communicate something about them in relation to the day that Jesus was crucified. The first one was the voice of an involuntary participant. His name is Simon, Simon of Cyrene. And Simon was there probably to worship for the Passover. We don't know much about Simon. We know he was from Cyrene, which was a city in North Africa. So he was an African man. And we know that he was a father because Mark tells us that he was the father of 
of Alexander and Rufus. Now, that's interesting that Mark would say that because Mark is writing to a different audience than Luke is writing to. And so that tells us something about why he made that statement. He made that statement because the people he was writing to would know Alexander and Rufus. They say, oh yeah, oh yeah, Rufus's dad, <laughs> Simon of Cyrene. That's how Mark is identifying when he tells the story to his, his listeners. So who was, who was Mark writing to? Well, scholars believe that Mark was writing to the Romans. Gentiles, as Luke was writing to, but specifically to the Romans, and that he actually wrote his, uh, his gospel in Rome. And it's interesting that Paul, when he's writing to the church at Rome, in chapter 16, verse 13, I believe it is, he mentions Rufus. Say hi to Rufus for me. And not only say hi to Rufus, but to his mother. And Paul says, and mine. Now, Paul was not related by blood to this family. What he was saying was, she's like a mother to me. The mother of Rufus was like a mother to me. So she had some influence in his life. So I want you to think about this for just a minute. Because of these pieces of the puzzle that we find in other places of Scripture, we can deduce that Simon of Cyrene was changed dramatically by this chance encounter that day. Because later we're told that Simon's wife ministered to the Apostle Paul, and Simon's son, at least one of them, was a member of the church at Rome. So this chance encounter changed this man's life, changed the life of his family. He was involuntary. He, he didn't plan on doing this. He was grabbed by the Roman soldiers and forced into this, into carrying the cross for Jesus. But it changed his life forever because of his encounter with Christ. The second voice is a voice of mourning. Verse 27 tells us that there were these women that were Mourning people, men and women, it says there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Now certainly there were some who had heard Jesus teach and they loved his teaching and maybe believed on him as the Messiah and they would have been mourning and weeping. But it was also very common in that day to have professional mourners. Professional mourners would come to a funeral they would also come to a public crucifixion like this, a public execution, especially one that was such a high-profile execution. So we don't really know if they were professional mourners or a combination of professional mourners and people actually mourning the death of Christ. But, but they, were, they were mourning and they were lamenting. But Jesus spoke to them and He told them not to mourn for themselves or for him, rather, but to mourn for themselves. Because things were going to get much worse. See, there would be a day when Rome would invade Jerusalem, and it would be horrible for the Jews. 
because of the rejection of Christ. He said, if they do this in a green tree, what will they do in the dry? And and the green tree is, is speaking of the life that's in the tree, and Jesus is life. If they do this when Jesus is here, what are they going to do when I'm gone? But the dryness of the nation of Israel that has rejected their Messiah, it's going to be much worse. So their mourning was misplaced. It was really not genuine. They were following tradition in their mourning. They may have been truly sad, but they were missing the point. The point was the one to mourn for was them. Because the nation had rejected Christ. And then there was the voice of ignorance. Look in verse 34. It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. Now those that cast lots, one of the other gospel writers tells us that that was the soldiers that were doing that. They had divided up some of his garments, but there was one garment that was woven all the way through, didn't have a seam, and so they decided to, to cast lots to gamble for who would get to take that souvenir home. They were thinking more about a souvenir than they were thinking about the fact that the king of glory was hanging on the cross. They didn't realize the significance of what was happening. They were ignorant. And the Bible says that the crowd... The people, they just stood by watching. A few hours earlier, they were all crying, crucify him, crucify him. Why were they doing that? Well, they were doing that because that was started in the crowd. And the more the crowd did it, the more the crowd did it. They had a mob mentality. They did what crowds do. They were just going along with the flow. And so they really didn't understand what was happening. They were were ignorant of what was happening that day. That Jesus Christ was hanging on a cross, shedding His blood, the Son of God, to pay for their sins. All the things that we were singing about this morning, that we are so gloriously thrilled and filled with joy over. They missed that. They were ignorant. Ignorant of the fact that Jesus was dying for them. And then there was the voice of the scoffers. Verse 35 says that the rulers scoffed at him. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. If he's really the Christ, he should be able to save himself. If he's really the Christ, he should do the things the way we believe he ought to do the things. He should be able to come down from that cross. It says in verse 36 that the soldiers also mocked him and they gave him this sour wine and they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The same thing the rulers said. They mocked him. They scoffed at him. They made fun of him. They obviously didn't realize who they were speaking about. And then there's the voice of this world. The world system. Verse 38, it says there was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. You remember, the Jews complained to Pilate that it said that. 
that it said this is the king of the Jews. They wanted him to change it. They wanted him to change it to say he said he was the king of the Jews. Because it humiliated them to have a man hanging on a cross and it say this is the king of the Jews. See, in those days it was common for a conquering nation to humiliate the, na the nation they conquered by humiliating their king. By putting him to some open shame. By executing him in a way that would be embarrassing to the nation. And so when, they, when the world system put this as the king of the Jews, when Rome put this as the king of the Jews, it was not just a slap in the face of Jesus, it was a slap in the face of the Jews. And a slap in the face of God. They were crucifying the king of the Jews. They were showing we have our foot on the Jews' neck and we are mightier than the Jews and we are mightier than their God. You know, our world system still does that today. Makes Jesus small. I was in a store the other day and I noticed a magazine with a likeness that's supposed to be Christ and talking about Jesus and these secular magazines that come out every year around Easter. And oftentimes they're talking about Jesus and, and they always belittle him as just some man of history, a, die, a dying martyr, but not the Christ, not the living Son of God that we know he is. And so that was the voice of the world. And then there's the voice of self-centered religion. And you find that really in an odd place. That self-centered religion, verse 39, is that one angry criminal. Notice what he says. He says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed on him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He was probably a Jew. And he's looking at Jesus He's hanging on the cross because of his crimes. We don't know what his crimes were, but he deserved to be there. The other criminal attested to that fact that they both had committed crimes and they both deserved their punishment. So whatever this man did, he's, he's not worried about what he did. He's not taking responsibility for what he did, but he believes that if Jesus is the Christ, he ought to be able to get himself off the cross and them too. See, if Jesus is really the Christ, he'll give me what I want. If Jesus is really the Christ, he'll make my life easy. If Jesus is really the Christ, he'll solve all my problems. And that still happens today. That was the voice of self-centered religion. But then there's the voice of humble faith. And that's the other thief on the cross. Look in verse 40. The other thief on the cross, he says, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds. But this man, 
has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Humble faith fears God. This man turned to the other criminal and he said, do you not fear God? This other man recognized that by railing on Jesus when they themselves were guilty of crimes, he was putting himself in the position, the other man was putting himself in the, in the position of being judged by God. He feared God. He wouldn't do that. Humble faith fears God. Humble faith confesses sin. This man said, you and I are both guilty. We deserve what we're getting. We're getting exactly what we deserve. Humble faith confesses sin. And humble faith calls on Jesus for mercy. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Nothing complicated. He didn't have to have all of his doctrines right. He just called on Jesus. He just called on Jesus. And the last voice is the voice of Jesus himself. It's the voice of grace. The voice of grace, verse 42 or 43 said, And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. That day, when that thief died on that cross, he woke up in paradise with Jesus. That day. He's still with Jesus. He's been with Jesus for over 2,000 years. He's not with Jesus because he was a good man. He's not with Jesus because he had all the right stuff in his life. He's with Jesus because he had humble faith in Christ. Amen. In Christ alone. Now, I've just moved through eight points pretty fast. But now it's time for application. Which voice is yours? Which voice is like your voice? Are you someone who, maybe you're here involuntarily, like Simon. Maybe a family member twisted your arm and said, you ought to come to church with me, you ought to come to church with me. And finally got tired of hearing it and you decided to come. Or maybe for whatever reason, you found yourself hearing about Jesus when you're really not all that interested. Guess what? He can change your life. He can change your life. If you will recognize Him for who He is, this interruption in your life could be the best day of your life for all eternity. The day that you come to recognize Jesus for who He is and you trust Him you will have all of your sins forgiven and a new life in Christ and brothers and sisters that will love you and encourage you. Is your voice maybe misplaced mourning? Oh, that was sad that Jesus died. 
I can't believe they treated a good man like that. It's terrible when people speak evil of Jesus, but you don't really recognize Him for who He is. You see, He's more than just a great teacher. He is a great teacher. He's more than just a healer. He is a healer. He's more than all the things the world wants you to believe about Him. He is God, the Son. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one when the Bible says that God said, let there be light. That was the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, John said. Paul says in the book of Colossians that all things were made by Him and for Him, and all things consist because of Him. If He were to let go, the entire world would fly apart. Every molecule has its dependence upon Jesus Christ. And He is the Almighty God, and yet He came and became a servant to you and to me because He loves us that much. His creation. He loves us that much. Even though we've rejected Him, even though we've sinned against Him, have you recognized Him for who He is? Are you just sad about this terrible death of this young Jewish man so many years ago? Or is yours the voice of ignorance? You just... Kind of go along with the crowd. And you don't really know what you think about Jesus. Let me just encourage you that no decision is a decision. If you decide that you are not going to decide, you have decided. <laughs> when you pass from this life, you will be in one of two places heaven or hell and the determining factor where you spend eternity is what you do with Jesus let me just be plain there's no second chance Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father except through me and just to say that I don't have to make a decision about Jesus it doesn't really affect my life right now. It's not that important right now. Maybe I'll decide later, but right now I'm going to live my own life is foolish. Don't be the voice of ignorance. Or maybe you're the voice of the scoffer. Maybe you make fun of Jesus. Maybe you think Christians are foolish and ignorant. We just don't know any better. Well, the appeal from the Word of God is not, not all intellectual, but let me just assure you, it makes sense. God's Word is true. And if you'll take the time to investigate it, you'll find out it's true. 
the historical evidence of Jesus Christ, His life, His death, and His resurrection. One of the most proven historical facts in all of ancient history. Paul said to his readers in Corinth that there were 500 people that saw him at once after he rose from the dead. And he told the, the readers at that time, most of them are still alive. So they could go ask themselves. The apostles died for their belief in a resurrected Christ. People don't die for a lie. The fact is, the Son of God came to this world, Jesus Christ. It's a fact. He is God, the Son. And it's a fact that He was crucified. And it's a fact that He died in your place and mine for our sins. And it's a fact that He rose again from the dead. And it's a fact that He's returning. And if you think it's foolish, you're the fool. The Bible says that the fool is set in his heart. No God. So maybe you're the voice of the scoffer or maybe you're the voice of this world. You just make Jesus small. Sure he lived. Sure he did some great things. But a lot of other people lived. A lot of other people did great things. There are a lot of other religions. What about all those people? What about all the beliefs that they have? It's just another one in the series of all these different beliefs. And you just make Jesus small. Don't deny that he existed, but he's just small. You're in a dangerous place. Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. And he will come again. And maybe your voice is the voice of the self-centered religion. If Jesus was really the Christ, then why hasn't he healed my illness? If Jesus is really the Christ, why hasn't he made me wealthy? If Jesus is really the Christ, why hasn't he solved my relationship problems? If Jesus is really the Christ, fill in the blank. See, if you follow a Christ like that, you're not worshiping him, you're worshiping you. If your God exists to serve you, then you are really your God. He is the king, not us. He is the Lord, not us. Regardless of which of these categories you might fall in or come somewhere near, you can be the voice of humble faith today. You can be like that thief on the cross. You see, he was a sinner. He wasn't just any sinner. He was a sinner bad enough to get crucified for it. You may think you're bad, but you're probably not as bad as that guy. But he came to faith in Christ. Because he was willing, first of all, to humble himself in fear of God. He was willing to recognize that there's a God in heaven. And Jesus 
is a savior. He was willing to fear God. He was willing to confess his sin, to acknowledge the fact that he was getting exactly what he deserved and quit whining about it. Quit expecting somebody to get you out of your problems. But recognize who you are and why you're there and it was your own doing. And he was humble enough to ask Jesus for rescue. And folks, that's what it takes today. That's what it takes. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on His name today. You say, well, I'm not sure about some things. That's okay. Call on His name anyway. I struggle with some stuff. That's okay. Call on His name anyway. Run to Him. You know you're a sinner. You know you can't stop it. You can't solve it. You know you can't fix all your issues. You know there has to be hope somewhere. That hope's in Jesus. Run to Him. Folks, today's what it's all about. He died for us. He died on that cross for us. He didn't have to do that. He didn't even have to come here. But he went through it all for you. And he went through it all for me. Because he loves us. So if you are here today and you're one of those who does not know him. Come to him today. Come to him today. Don't waste time. Don't go home without Jesus. And definitely don't leave earth without him. If you're here and you know him. But maybe your love's grown a little cold. I hope thinking about the cross, thinking about the words of that old man, Simeon, who was just waiting to die, the Lord had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Imagine the joy that must have been in his heart when he looked over in the temple and there was that young couple and they were going through the rituals of dedicating Jesus to the Lord as the firstborn that had opened the womb. They were offering the little turtle dove because they couldn't afford a more expensive offering. They didn't have much. And the Lord revealed to Simeon, that's him. That's him. And the joy just bubbled up in his heart. And he went over there and he said, Mary, it's going to be tough. It's going to pierce your own soul. But the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed through what happens on that day. What about the thoughts of your heart today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are so grateful that you sent your son Jesus for us. So grateful. We're sinners. We know we're sinners. We know we have no hope apart from you. But God, we just want to thank you. Thank you. 
for sending your son. And Lord, as we celebrate communion in these next few moments, God, I pray that you would help us as we eat that bread to think about the body of our Lord Jesus Christ nailed to that cross, bearing in his body our sins on the tree. And Lord, as we drink that cup, that we would think of the blood of our Savior running down that cross, shed for us to make it possible for our sins to be forgiven and us to know you. Lord, may this time of communion be a reflective time. And if there's anyone here today that does not know you, may it be a time of challenge to their hearts that they desire to know this Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.